Hola, I'm Heather Bartlett. You might know me as the coach of the regional champion Marshall Middle School dance team. For years, you may have been wondering how you could learn those incredible moves yourself. Well, now you can with my new at-home instruction video, Barrio Ballroom. On this tape, you'll learn the hottest Latin dances, including the salsa, the cha-cha, the cha-cha slide, meringue, the tango, the macarena, that thing Shakira does, and mambo number five. In just a few weeks, people will be asking you, are you Jennifer Lopez? Order now, and you'll receive a batch of my homemade salsa. The secret is raisins. As the girls like to say, Sai Su Puiti. Si Su Puede? That's how that's spelled. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is the podcast where we deconstruct these white savior films and recontextualize them through a black and POC lens. I am one of your hosts, Jordan Clark. Unfortunately, Cameron is is out. He couldn't get out of work uh, to make this one, but that is okay because we have a great guest today. Uh, they are one half of the amazing Tamarindo podcast, which is a Latinx podcast about um, Latinx empowerment. They discuss politics, culture, self-care. Uh, joining us today is Brenda Gonzalez. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> Brenda, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, just finished watching the movie that oh. we're going to discuss. <laughs> so it's very fresh. All right. I've got the, the, the Bags Over Baghdad wannabe oh, song in my, my head. Gosh. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of just like, you can see what they're going for. Not quite. I don't know if it's because it's a TV movie or because Disney was just like, you no budget. Um, but... No budget. It sounds more like a licensing <laughs> issue. Yeah. Um, but before we start, I did want to talk a little about Tamarindo because you guys have been around for a while since 2016, uh, which in the podcast space is like, that's a, that's a pretty good run. You know, like a lot of people make it to around where you guys are at and they either kind of slow down or peter out, but you guys are going strong. Um, so tell everybody a little bit about the show, what you guys do. Yeah. So I am one half of Tamarindo. It's co-hosted by me and Ana Sheila Victorino. And Ana Sheila describes herself as a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. So that's what she brings to the show. And then I'm sort of like a political nerd and I strive to be funny. So I hope, I hope to bring some a comical rant, comical political rants is what I often bring to the show. And Tamarindo started in, in 2016. I, I've been a co-host of the podcast since the beginning. We've had a couple of different co-hosts, but Anna Shayla has been part of the team since 2019. And it's really, it we really hit our stride when mm-hmm. Anna Shayla joined the pod and we've sort of formalized and got real serious about it uh, from a podcast perspective. So we, it's been super fun. We've, we've had dozens of episodes together and um, with Anna Shayla being part of it is when we've earned the recognition from Oprah Magazine 
Magazine, CNN, other places. So it's been such joy to be able to talk to all kinds of people. We talk to people that are in entertainment, in politics, policy people, healers, all kinds of folks. They don't necessarily have to be Latinx. A lot of them have been, but um, we, you know, because we feel like Anna Shayla and I bring the Latinx perspective anytime. But it's it's super, super fun. And I should also share that it's it's international now because Anna Shayla moved to Mexico City oh, wow. a couple years ago. So we we do it all via Zoom now and mm. it's been really fun. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm curious because, I mean, two things definitely caught my eye, you know, as I was listening to the show and listening to you guys talk. One, I, I like the idea of, you know, Latinx empowerment, right? Because I think that's that's a powerful phrase, right? Like that's making a, a mission statement to not just like talk about these issues, but really give people something they can take with them and add to their lives and, you know, celebrate, you know, Latinx experience. Uh, but also Latinx, that's a big big thing you know what i mean like there's there's i'm uh part puerto rican my mom's puerto rican um and like you know it's it's a it's a large experience and specifically whether you're talking about it from you know an american perspective um or you know an international perspective and we're coming from all different countries and all different kinds of cultures um so what do you guys do on the show to one try to like bring everybody in, you know, in a way that's, you know, you can't represent everybody. That's, that's a big thing, but, you know, to, to kind of represent as many different voices as possible. Um, but again, to do it with an eye on empowerment. Yeah. Well, you know, um, yeah, I, I love what you said. Like, you know, Latinx is, is, is really, is really big. Well, I think the way we do this is a couple things. We've always been sort of like lighthearted. We've always tried to be kind of leading with humor and calling people in. So that's one way is that we, we try to be fun in our approach and educational in our approach. And hopefully that, that allows people to come in in an inviting way. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. But I think too, we're, we're not shy to, to stand like we're not, we, we, we lean into who we are. So we are, we use Latinx intentionally. I know that yeah. that in, in, it could be a, a, a charged word, but we're, we're using it intentionally. We were saying, we believe that uh, we could do better about being inclusive. So we use Latinx, but we're also happy to be specific about who we are. I mean, mm -hmm. even though Anna Shayla and I are, our personalities may be different, our backgrounds might be a little bit different, but we're at the end of the day, we're both Mexican immigrants that came to the country as young children. And so that experience comes through and, and we're unapologetic about being specific to our experience because we know sometimes when you when you when you try to be too general, you basically become watered down. Right. So if you could be specific and true to who you are, people will relate to what what they can relate to, but they'll appreciate it no matter what. So that's another way that we we try to reach our community is just calling them in with lightness and and jokes and funniness. Yeah. But also not being afraid of who we are. Well, it's definitely appreciated. Like, I'm sure, you know, you don't need me to tell you that, you know, in, in the podcast space, in the entertainment space, in the politics space, in the in the self-care space, all of these spaces, you know, we need more and more diverse and varied voices, you know, from Latinx perspective, Asian perspectives, uh, Black perspectives. So, um, you know, again, the fact that you guys have been doing it for as long as you have and like no signs of flowing down, I think is a, is a beautiful thing. And we're very happy to have you on our show today uh, to talk about a movie that, uh, is a, is an interesting <laughs> because it is uh, a Disney Channel original movie. We're talking about 2002's Kick It Up, 
which uh neither of us had seen before but like talking to people they're very passionate about this movie like i was talking i watched it with my girlfriend and she was like quoting lines to me and was like (laughs) saying that she (laughs) may have memorized some of the choreography (laughs) when she was younger um so it did leave an impression you know on on you know a part of a generation that was you know really tuned into the disney channel and again as we were kind of speaking out before we came on like because there's such a lack of representation specifically you know when it came to disney and other entertainment of that sort like it was something that people saw themselves in and they latched onto regardless of quality (laughs) um (laughs) but see i mean seeing it today as an adult i'm sure it's a different experience than seeing it uh as, (laughs) as a kid but what were your kind of just general impressions and takeaways from the movie um, yeah, it's it's so funny. I th- I was attracted to see this movie because America Ferrera is in it, mm-hmm. and and America Ferrera is someone that I really really respect and admire. Um, her career and and what she does with her platform. So um, it was fun, kind of fun to to go back to her mm-hmm. roots, and you know, this is early days in her career as a as a Disney actor. So that was really that was cool. I mean, there's. A, you could tell that this this the budget is low, right? There's a low low budget, and you know whatever we can take it or leave it with the low budget. But I think part of the places where it suffers is perhaps some of the writing. But there are some things that are well done that mm-hmm. I that I really do appreciate. I do like that it's a predominantly Latino school. Like all the kids are are, are Latino. But I like that there's sort of a diversity in experiences within right. the Latino characters. You do see that, hey, we're not all the same. There's there's differences. There's there, there's even that really intentional effort, which I haven't seen before or again, of having this like recent immigrant high school right. student be part of the one of the characters. So that that I thought was pretty neat. It's also interesting to watch this movie with our you know twenty twenty two lens and. You know, one of the boyfriends is really a lot older than one of the characters. <laughs> so there's a there's a couple of things that you know would definitely not fly in this day and age. But uh, but overall, it's entertaining. I could see how a 12 or 13 year old, who I think is probably the target audience, right. would have enjoyed watching this movie back in 2022. Um, I don't think it holds water today, but, but you know, it's entertaining and I would let like a preteen watch it today and I think they would still be entertained. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing about it, you know, going all the way back to 2002, like this were before all the streaming and all the other things. So like Disney Channel original movies of the week are still kind of like an appointment viewing, you know, if you're like looking forward to that you know this was again and this was the one when it's announced if you're you know latinx right just a person of color really because those disney channel original movies didn't really include many people of color so yes you know to see a different experience i think was was something that drew people to the movie it's 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 interesting because it's directed by uh ramon menendez who also directed stand and deliver uh, oh wow! So this is a, it's still I mean it's another school movie, but you know, kind of a very different take. Um, it's written by Nancy De Los Santos Reza, who worked on a couple different things. Like she worked on the Selena movie as an assistant producer, and um, this was kind of her first like I'm writing the script thing. Um, it's loosely based on the story of Megan Cole, who is working at disney but she's not like 
in any department that really like would have had any you know effect on this like she is the director of the creative affairs at Walt Disney TV animation and I think kind of had this story in mind but when you hear about the real story versus what uh you see in the movie like it's not super different but it's different enough with some interesting changes that you're just like okay okay interesting. <laughs> i can't wait to hear this background uh, well before we get into it um last thing we'll, we'll kind of run down the cast so it's got uh camille gatwe who plays daisy we've got america farrar we've got susan egan who you might know probably more uh, for doing voices for like Steven Universe. And she was the original Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. Um, oh, wow. So she's got like a, a real range of, you know, she's done a lot of stage. She's done some, you know, TV and some film. And uh, you also got Jonah Flores, uh, Suma Rodriguez, and Sabrina Wiener. Those are like the main girls in the in the dance crew. So... I'm going to do my best to break this movie down in five minutes. I think I can do it. Uh, I'm going to set a timer and we'll see how okay. this works. But I, I think, I, I mean, again, there's it's a Disney, it's a Disney Channel original. <laughs> so I think there's not that much to get into. But right. the, movie, the movie starts uh, and, we, and we meet Daisy and Yoli who are going to the school. And they're basically just dancing. Like, it doesn't seem like there's any rush to get to class. They're just kind of dancing around the school. But we get a, a brief introduction to them before we meet Miss Bartlett, who is just starting at Marshall Middle School. Her dot-com job just went on there. This is, again, a very 2000, early 2000s uh, movie. And now she's decided to just make the pivot into teaching. So she's at the school. This is her first day as the biology teacher. And like a lot of movies with white teachers in urban schools, the first day is just hell, right? Like she walks into the classroom. No one wants to listen to her. They keep, you know, cutting her off. One kid boos her and she walks in. <laughs> um, and then they all just start dancing. They start like, you know, drumming on the on the desks and everybody, specifically Daisy, starts dancing. Uh, but then the principal, Principal Zavala, comes in and like gives Daisy like months detention like basically is like that's i'm cutting you off but also kind of gives miss bartlett a look like you need to get these kids under control um so we find out that the big problem with marshall is that they recently lost their dance coach uh they retired and now you know there's questions about whether the dance program is even going to continue and a couple of girls specifically esmeralda are very keen on keeping it going because they want to be on the dance team. And so Esmeralda like works in the principal's office and is just like snooping around and figures out that Miss Bartlett went to Juilliard for dance. And so she's convinced that like she needs to be the teacher. She convinces uh, Principal Zavala to talk to her. Principal Zavala's like, do you want to be the dance coach? And she's like, no. <laughs> he's like, well, you know, the kids who do extracurriculars, like don't join gangs and like, you know, get better grades and all this stuff. So she's like, fine. All right. I'll be the dance coach. Um, but she's got some strict rules, you know, like got to keep your shoes white. There's a dress code, no tardiness. Grades have to be high, no dark lipstick, like all this stuff. And so most of the girls just leave. <laughs> They're like, one girl is like, we're not smart enough to be on the dance team. And then just like walk away. And so almost... We don't like these rules. <laughs> almost all of them leave except for the main girls that we have. Um, and 
Then they have their tryouts after they get kicked out of the gym by the boys basketball team, which again is coached by the principal, which is another interesting thing. And all of the kids look like they're 40, but um, (laughs) the girls have their tryouts and really none of them can dance. Um, The only one that can really dance is Daisy, even though it's interesting because we see Yoli in the beginning and she can dance like they're dancing together. So I don't know why she can't dance at the tryout, but um, Daisy trades her detention for an extracurricular so she gets to join the team uh so the final team consists of daisy uh yolanda Alyssa, esmeralda and marisol um and they really don't have a lot of time to get ready for the first meet and by the time they get there they're not ready at all like esmeralda is about to throw up daisy's stressing out like everything's bad and of course they do terribly uh so bad that daisy just quits the team straight up like she doesn't want anything to do with it but that weekend, for whatever reason, like Daisy just goes back to the school. Like I didn't know you could get into school on a Saturday. Yeah, like, that part just... was very odd. But okay, yes. <laughs> she just goes back to get something from her locker, and then like she hears some music in the background, and she goes to the gym, and Miss Bartlett's doing like basically an Olivia Newton-John routine. Like she's doing like these very like eighties dance moves, and um, Daisy's like, I knew it. Like I knew you could dance. And this is one of the first of many, like, Miss Bartlett has to, like, regain the girl's trust uh, because they don't they don't trust her anymore because she was holding out on them. Uh, But she shows off her moves and everybody's back in. So they start to train some more. They're getting ready. But Miss Bartlett's hesitant about them doing another meet. She doesn't want to, like, have them fail again. Uh, She keeps saying no every time they ask. And so the girls eventually take matters into their own hands. They go to a meet with, like, some of the most incompetent adults because, like, everybody's like, where's your coach? And they're like, she's coming. And they're like, all right, I guess that's good enough for us. (laughs) Like, come on in, (laughs) do the meet. Uh, But, like, Daisy kind of, like, gets ready to go. This is where they get their their famous Sisu Prede chant that they get going. Uh, (laughs) And, um, you know. Cesar Chavez is rolling in his (laughs) grave. (laughs) <laughs> they get they get ready they get pumped up daisy kind of leads the team and they end up winning third place which seems great but when they get back to school they're all in trouble like Alyssa's parents are not happy that they went there unsupervised um they're threatening to tell the principal miss bartlett is not happy because the girls went behind her back and she feels like they you know betrayed her trust and so we have to do the whole trust building again you know like daisy talks to miss bartlett miss bartlett admits that she was more scared for herself than she was for the girls that she dropped out of Juilliard after two weeks. Cause she didn't think she was good enough. And like, she's like putting that onto the girls. And so after her and Daisy have another heart to heart, she comes back to the team. They start getting it together again. Everything's looking great, except now they don't have any money to, to go to regionals. Like they went so many meets and they're looking, you know, so good, but they didn't have anything in the budget to get them to San Diego. So now, you know, they have to raise the money. They have like a big block party car wash thing. Daisy's boyfriend like brings a bunch of extra cars to get them in. And things are looking up once again, except now some random person from Miss Bartlett's past has like just stumbled upon her in the street and like is like, yeah. hey, do you want to come <laughs> back to work in the tech industry? 
And so she's like considering it. And one of the girls like hears her talking about it. And now the girls are like, oh, just when things are looking good, you're going to leave us. I can't believe it. I knew you didn't believe in us, Miss Bartlett. And once again, she's like, I thought about it, but, you know, I'm so inspired by your girls and I love you so much that I turned that job down to stay here and to teach and to coach the team. They go to the regionals at a previous meet, the meet that they won third place in. Daisy was scouted by like one of the heads of this performing arts school. She's been thinking, like, should I go to the school? Am I good enough? You know, will I be able to get a scholarship? All this stuff. Um, But everything comes together in the end. They do so great at regionals they go on to states they place at states daisy goes to the performing arts school her boyfriend's so inspired by her that he goes back to school and (laughs) that's basically gotta kick it up yeah yeah (laughs) i i was seven minutes a little bit over but um (laughs) so funny (laughs) you know like it's 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 pretty basic of a movie but i think now's the appropriate time To talk about a few things, because I think, and I, I'd be very interested to hear your perspective on this, because, like, this this is a movie that has the representation, right, on screen, visually, right? Like, there's a lot of Latina girls, and just from a Hollywood perspective, too, like, a lot of, like, this is America Ferrara's, like, first role. This is her first acting role, like, this kind of launches her career, um, but it something feels weird to me and i don't know if it felt weird to you in in the same way that like we're seeing these girls but we don't really get to know any of them except for like daisy esmeralda a little bit she's got a brother that she's got to take care of and that complicates things and then we see Alyssa's parents but don't really get to know any of her home life and like I felt like I wanted not just more because I mean, again, like you were saying, like we have a character like Marisol who is not a native English speaker and she's like, you know, working on her English and we've got characters like that have like interesting things going on with them and we don't really explore that. And I wouldn't like, did you, did you kind of feel the same just in terms of like, you know, you, you visually see the girls, but then you really don't get that much about them. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly where I think this movie falls short. It's just like the the writing, the character development. There's a it's a lot on the surface level. And sure, maybe we're not we don't need to demand much of this, uh, this (laughs) Disney movie that's targeting middle schoolers. But but yeah, I think that's the opportunity. I think this is where the story could have been more compelling is if we, and maybe maybe you don't have to tell us everybody's backstory, but let's go a little bit deeper with Daisy and Miss Barlett at minimum. You know, mm-hmm. at minimum. So I think, yes, that is definitely an opportunity there is that we, we are, we're so surface level with all of these characters that, 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 that you're left wanting more. You're definitely left wanting more around that for sure. Because I... Do we know where these girls are from? You know what I mean? Like what, like what, um, you know, their backgrounds are? Because I, I mean, you don't want to assume that everybody is like, you know, Mexican or everybody's like, you know. Colombian yeah, I mean, they're or... very, they're very light on that. But I think they're, <laughs> I think uh, without being explicit to me, I think they're very much communicating like this is LA, right? Right, right. This That's, is definitely yeah. Los Angeles. So without 
calling it out directly, I think you you have that takeaway yeah. that this is these are probably majority Mexican <laughs> girls. I mean, even like the the the, the gal that that is the you know the fresh immigrant. Yeah. With when you see the way she's she says, oh, this is how we dance. You could tell it's like Vale Flor Corico. So there's right. there's certain nods where like you understand. You know, there's a little bit of that lowrider culture. Right. There's a little bit of that East LA, especially with Chewy. You know, right, so right. <laughs> so there are some things coming through where where it does telegraph. This is Los Angeles. Um, I, I, th- this reminds me of the scene where Miss Bartlett, as they're getting ready for you know the, the the big competition at the end, she's like, "Why don't we bring something from you your backgrounds?" Right. And, so, <laughs> and it, it's you know they all say, "Oh, we could cha cha, we can salsa." You know. But what I thought was very funny, and I'm sure nobody noticed this, but Miss Bartlett said, "Yes, and flamenco, which is Spain. None of these girls are from Spain." <laughs> well, there's. And, like, that scene in particular was very curious because, like, one, it it's out of nowhere. Like, I, I felt like, again, that's another missed opportunity where, like, maybe these girls are, you know, like, struggling to kind of get in with whatever the dance routine that they're doing. Uh, but they're very good at doing all these other dances. And Miss Bartlett's like, oh, well, like, this is this is what you know. And, like, this is kind of where you're starting at. So, like, why don't we do that like why don't we incorporate some of that into this instead of like trying to teach you all these new things instead it's just like almost a side note at the end of the movie where she was like you know what i was thinking like why don't we include your cultures in it and then instead of actually doing anything she's like so daisy what do you think and kind of like lets daisy choreograph the dance while she like adds one or two things in there um yeah, that's huge, huge opportunity, and 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 it would have been a more clear through line from the beginning because the beginning yeah. is you. First of all, something else that folks should remember from the beginning is that these gals are like badasses. Like right. they are, they are basically almost they're pro- telegraphing here that these girls are are hot shit. They're like mm. almost cholas, but the way that they thro- show their toughness is through dancing, right? Which is. Um, hilarious because I, I i think it's it's interesting to paint these girls as like the tough tr- almost troublemakers of yeah. the school but their outlet is like we just want to dance right <laughs> right i i find that to be a little bit hilarious like what what can we do like they're, they're the way they get in trouble is to to sneak away to keep a teacher and that just right. doesn't seem doesn't seem uh true to the the characters that they're trying to form here well even yeah like their big active defiance is like they steal the keys from the secretary and like set up a tape recorder which must have like been on a 20 minute delay because they all like run out get dressed (laughs) go back to like the quad and like then do a dance routine which the kids seem to like but like miss bartlett is like "Mm -mm, like i'm not falling for this you know whatever you're trying to do here um but that brings up another interesting thing too because one of the things i noticed that I was like, huh, you know, they have the whole situation where they do the the block party and the car wash, which is like the first time that you really get to see the community in this movie. Yeah. Like everybody's out, you know, they're having a good time. There's food, there's music. Um, we don't get to interact with anybody from the community. We just kind of see them around in the background. Um, and then when they go to the meets, like it really is only Alyssa's parents and sometimes uh the principal but like none of the students come out to support them nobody else's parents come out to support them like the community at large doesn't like show like you 
sure i guess you know can everybody make it down to san diego maybe not but like some of these more like local meets you would think that like there would be a larger contingency of like parents and like students especially because they're doing well like it's not like they're (laughs) bad like they're actually like winning or like placing in a lot of these things you would think there would be more excitement you know in the class and in the community but it kind of just feels like at the end it's like a few teachers and like two sets of parents <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's where you see the the bu- budget shortcomings like, yeah <laughs> i don't think there was enough budget to choreograph lots of dances right <laughs> and, and 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 so the scenes about even though this is a movie about dance the scenes where there is dance are very few and far between right <laughs> yeah which is like you would yeah i mean i it's a tv movie so i'm not gonna hold too much against it but like i think that would have been a nice thing to see and that really comes into play with, with the with the Si Supporte chant because like it A comes out of nowhere and B is devoid of context. And so it yes. almost feels like Alyssa made it up uh, instead of like having what I think they were going for. You know, like the, the writer of the movie says she put it in intentionally and was like proud to have it in there. But I think if you're watching this movie, again, you're 12 years old, you're watching the Disney Channel original film and like there's no actual context to that line like you just think it's from gotta kick it up like it's a gotta kick it up original (laughs) (laughs) instead of having like the context to it so could you i mean for people who aren't aware of where cc point comes from like give people a little bit of context and maybe what they were trying to go for in relation to using it in this movie yeah, well, I mean, si se puede is like, yes, we can. It's, Ob- you know, Obama yeah, borrowed right. it as well. So it's very optimistic. It's it's used in like the emotional moments of the movie, for example, where uh, when Daisy has to com- convince Miss Barlett to like, basically, I mean, I think the girls figure out that Miss Barlett is hiding something and mm. that she's not showing her true self. And I was wondering too, like, what is it? What happened? <laughs> the big reveal is that she dropped out of Juilliard after right. two weeks. That was the big reveal. Right. And 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 it's when she reveals that, um, that she has imposter syndrome straight up, mm-hmm. which is something very relatable, right? These girls go, suffer through imposter syndrome as well. So basically that's what Miss Barlett has is she has imposter syndrome and she needs Daisy to proper up and say no we you you are a great coach be si se puede you can get over that that uh imposter syndrome so it is used correctly in terms of what the right. what the meaning is but she just says like it's hard and she miss barlett's like oh what is that she's like oh um daisy says oh it's just the, it's our chant that we got from i forget which character's yeah. grandma so we know that it's it's historic she does mention it's from someone someone's grandma but the true history of it is from Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta, who were organizers here in California that got together with um, other workers' rights organizers, um, specifically, uh, you know, the Asian community in the state. And they were trying to advocate for the rights of farm workers across California. And they, they used that chant, which Dolores Huerta really is who coined it as their rallying call and it yes we can do the un the unimaginable which is to mm-hmm. a, a form a union a union a farm workers union which had never been done before and, and against goliath right the the growers the growers right. association so those that's the roots of of the the chant of course it's used all the time like soccer games like i said obama borrowed it so it's a very very um inspiring and used term and i and i think it is great that it was incorporated in this movie but you're very um accurate to 
to say that there's an opportunity there to give it just a little bit of context. Right. Because you don't have to have them like look it up in a textbook or like, you know, some kind of like drawn out thing. But even if it was, you know, just Alyssa's like struggling with dance and she's at home and her grandma comes in and she's like, oh, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, you know, like I'm having a hard time. I can't get the choreography. And she's like, oh, well, you know, when I was a girl, you know, it's something that we used to say. You know, I mean, it's kind of like bring it in because then it is like more like, oh, yes, you're getting like the generational context and like the community context, like what that means in a larger sense, instead of just like having a character randomly say it. And then everybody like, yes, easy buddy. (laughs) Right. Like we got it. It's just like, okay. (laughs) That would be a perfect way to do it. And, you know, back to the topic of like how this movie ends up making you want more about the characters. There is this other scene where we, on the very surface level, we see an, an issue that a lot of Latinas face with which is there's one of the characters that that um when she gets reprimanded for having gone on this field trip on their own um her parents were like well hey you 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 were supposed to come here and babysit and Mm -hmm. and so the daughter lists off a list of things that she does like well i'm always cooking and cleaning and babysitting and doing good on on my homework and today i had a great day and nobody can take that away from me i think that that is a scene that probably resonates with a lot of latinas that have felt that burden or pressure to to um, do all the duties for the home and not have time for themselves so even though it's very surface level Mm -hmm. i think that's probably one of those time those classic scenes that might be yeah Trying to brush in, uh, over a, a topic that's really more important than than this movie allows. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, let's let's talk more about Miss Bartlett because there's a couple of interesting things here to to parse out, and that's one. Like we've seen a lot of different white saviors on the show, right? We've seen like the intentional white savior who comes in to like right, right or wrong. We see the reluctant white savior who kind of like sees something wrong but it's like i don't want anything to do with that and then eventually like you know involves themselves and and gets everything straightened out uh we see the white savior who just ultimately saves themselves <laughs> you know more than anybody else um and miss bartlett is, is interesting because when you think about movies like you know freedom riders or you think about movies like dangerous minds like you kind of have again this running thread of these teachers coming into these urban environments and like ooh it's dangerous and these kids you know they're not listening and like who can reach them and all of this stuff and i think i i want to give the movie credit but i also have a suspicion that it's just because it's a disney movie <laughs> that they couldn't really highlight some of the things that may typically have been highlighted previously in some other films you know in terms of like playing to stereotypes or extremes you know in terms of kids in these settings because you're right like chewy is kind of like everything but right like they can't really put the whole thing on him but like you get the sense like chewy's crew rolls up at the car wash you know and there's questions about like well where did you get these cars and like (laughs) what is happening here (laughs) chewy's problematic almost almost Uh, problematic (laughs) And is, but he gets saved too. Right, you know, <laughs> and he is older, you know, we don't really know how much older. I mean, yeah. a lot of the people in this movie, the extras specifically, are like adults. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, okay, back to Miss Bartlett. I mean, yes, there's one of the things that I found like 
lacking is that we we see her struggling, like you said, on that first day of school, but we don't see any of her earning the the uh, experience, mm-hmm. the command of the classroom that she so desperately doesn't have during the first day. We don't see that journey. And we also don't really see, I mean, what I find interesting is that we see her being so far apart from earning the respect and trust of the students. But then when she all of a sudden has this new responsibility to be the dance teacher, there's no way that she would all of a sudden have the authority to be as strict and demanding as yeah. she was of the of the students. So that made it really like what like it just felt re- very lacking on the the character development of Miss Barlett. <laughs> For sure. And I think the other thing is like similar to a lot of these movies, she does very little if anything to kind of ingratiate herself and go outside of her own experience to, you know, bring these kids in because like multiple times kids are speaking Spanish to her and she's kind of like, I don't do that. Like, you know, doesn't go as far as to say, you know, speak English, please. But like, it's kind of like, Oh, what does that mean? Or like, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of, but like you took a job in a LA middle school. That's predominantly like Latinx. Like you would think that if, having some understanding of Spanish is not a job requirement at the very least that you would like make the attempt to, you know, learn at least enough of the language that you can converse, you know, casually with students specifically again, somebody like Marcel who maybe isn't as strong with her English as she might be with her Spanish. And so just from a teaching perspective, like not even from like a dance coach perspective, but like just in your classroom, like that seems to be a thing that you might, want to do and she doesn't seem particularly interested in that um she also like does it again like the idea to bring culture into the dance seems like such a last minute addition and you would think again like if she's around these kids every day she sees how they dance on their own you know like why not try to bring some of that stuff in but again it's kind of like an idea she has and i guess she gets credited for but like seemingly probably is something more that the kids would have advocated for on their own instead of like her just randomly saying and you know what would be good too is if we if we did this um so i mean i think that those are my my biggest issues and takeaways with this part liz kind of she's she's very distant from the kids for most of the film and then like gets these moments where she kind of like earns their trust and i guess but we don't see the earning you don't yeah. the whole the whole point of the story would be to see her earn that <laughs> trust it's just like and now she has it right so that yeah that was very lazy i don't i don't think she even needed to be a white person like it didn't like nothing about there's also nothing about her being white necessarily that is part of the story so yeah. it didn't have to be she didn't have to be white she could have been also latinx and we right. would have been had the, the exact same story i do i do i think there's another opportunity too with the principal i do um like that i think i think the principal could have provided some more some of that coaching for her like i think that there could have been moments where she could have asked him for help because he he definitely has a command over the students and he's got this this like reputation of like people are afraid of him yeah he's giving out there's order at the school (laughs) yeah there's order in the school because he's he's uh <laughs> he is takes no shit basically right, yeah. he is strict he's very very strict and i also lastly too would have liked to have seen just more of the school i think that's it's interesting because we rarely have ever see 
predominantly Latinx schools. And we get some glimpses of it. We get one class, I think, you know, like there's like a montage where they're doing like a biology, you know, like game in the class. And then really, besides that, we really don't see any of the other, not even other kids at the school, but like just what it's like to be at that school. And even like, again, like certainly you don't have to go full on out and like make it a race thing, but like they slightly hint at it at the first meet where they're in a what seems to be a predominantly white space at a lot of these dance meets right right? like it seems like it's out of their element it's something different not just the dance meet itself but like a lot of just the cultural things going on around it um and you know they feel out of place you know you can kind of tell some of the girls are like anxious and nervous and like that's one of the things that I think it would have been nice to see, you know, just like them being more grounded at the school and then now having to kind of acclimate or find themselves in the space was necessarily is not, you know, welcoming to them, you know, on on a larger scale. Um, But instead, again, I understand Disney movie of the week, only so much you can get into. (laughs) uh, But it felt like that was another missed opportunity to kind of like explore what that is like, you know, because it's them kind of stepping out into the world as themselves you know like very much so not it because it never really felt like they had to shrink themselves that much you know like stepping into these spaces which is you know another like empowering thing of the movie but we also kind of sidestep that whole discussion to just like get them to you know all of a sudden they they place third and then it's like you know all the way up from there so yeah, we don't really see their their like how they all of a sudden become great dancers. Yeah, because they how were they, terrible. They, get it together. they were all right. bad. None of them were. Daisy was the only one, um, and the rest of them were not not even close. But the dance sequences, I don't know from you know like team dance, but like they looked as good as the other teams. So. Sure. Right, I didn't see anything like <laughs> like. Well, I mean, I guess in the last routine you saw them get their little, their little like flavor, their You're Latin right. flavor inter- injected in there. Um, but yeah, anyways, it's definitely a a feel good movie at the end. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, let, yeah, let's talk a little bit about. Well, actually, before we, we go to the behind the scenes, I just have a question because uh, watching it with my girlfriend, we had we had a. We had a real question about Miss Bartlett in that is Jennifer is she wearing a wig? Like do you think that was a wig? No, I think that is her hair. I think that is how <laughs> terrible those hair the hairdos were in the early 90s, early 2000s I should say. Yes, I think that's her hair. I really do think that's her hair. Cuz the I wardrobe looked... she wears is terrible too, by the way. <laughs> well, cuz I looked up other pictures of her and like she's committed to the bangs. So it it seems like that's just a choice that she's made, but like I was like, it it didn't look like her hair at some points in the film, but I guess maybe yeah, she's just it she's, was a look, it was a vibe <laughs> that that was definitely a vibe for sure. She I made a character choice, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the behind the scenes of the school, uh, this movie because it is loosely based on Megan Cole's experience at uh, Nimitz Middle School uh, in California. And she was like more, she was basically like a teach for America teacher. Um, Mm, Like she got her degree 
in teaching from Harvard, uh, got a degree in education. Um, but I think that was post, you know, her Teach for America stint. And she was there for, you know, a couple of years and like kind of a similar situation. They were looking for a dance coach. She more or less volunteered to do the coaching for the team. Um, she didn't really have any dance experience, did not go to Juilliard, has no background in dance. She did dance in high school and that was kind of her <laughs> qualifications was, for her, it. her credentials. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it it is true that it was, you know, predominantly Latinx school and this was an all Latina girls uh, dance team. They did pretty well. Um, it's unclear if they did as well as they do in the movie. Like, you know, I couldn't really look up like how many meets Were they, they wanted. Yeah, yeah. You know, all that stuff. But like, <laughs> did they steal a bus like they did in the movie? Didn't steal a bus. Uh, <laughs> didn't see support. It was not part of their, you know, team. It wasn't routine. part of their journey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, like it's just weird like just weird choices right so like she's not a dot-com burnout so like that as 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 a addition to a kids movie feels like a strange like maybe that was for the adults watching <laughs> gotta kick it up i guess but, like... i mean they needed a background because uh, without it like why would what the heck is miss barlett doing teaching high like and they still don't really explain it because no. even though you have this this dot-com background how do you go from being a dancer to a dot-com background to teaching biology? Like, she's yeah. all over the place. She needs a life coach. <laughs> it, it's, it was really strange. And, like, the, the original Megan Cole's, like, journey makes more sense. Teach for America. To yeah, go into she's Harvard got a degree in teaching. Yeah. Yeah, and now she's working for Disney. You know, and the background of the movie is basically, yeah, she's at Disney. She's working in a completely different apartment. She's working in the animation department, you know, doing some uh, creative direction stuff. And, like starts talking to people is talking about you know the story that you know she has from her past and like this might make a good idea for you know one of these original movies that we do and so she basically gets like the green light to go ahead and put it together and you know they talk about one like the the casting because you know she says she was very adamant about keeping it you know latina girls right like she didn't want them to change it to you know like a even like a mixed race group of girls like she was like you know these are the girls that i coached and i want them to be able to see themselves you know when they watch this movie so like i don't want you to change that um she was like you know even though it's my story like i can't i don't really feel like i should tell it you know because like yeah, you I, all go you know here's like the basics you go with it yeah like i would, do what you will i would like some latinx representation to kind of you know direct this movie and write this movie and that's where you know we get uh ramon ramon menendez and nancy de los santos uh reza so like i think that is actually like a more forward-thinking thing that people might not give this movie credit for and that you know like she easily could have just said it a, you know she could have stepped it a, just a step further and said yeah. it doesn't even have to be a white teacher yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we demand more we demand right, more right you know like but yeah, that is interesting that, you know, you think about Disney specifically at that time and whether it was the animation or whether it was, you know, the live action stuff, like you were still getting, I think by 2002, we had gotten Aladdin, Pocahontas, Mulan. And I think that was like Disney's 
for forays into like you know representative culture like we're giving you these princesses and you know a little bit of this background but specifically like it's interesting to think about disney and their latinx representation because it hasn't really been until more recently that they have specifically invested in you know thinking about stuff like coco obviously you know most recently in kanto um like they've made the push to like have that kind of representation and i think you know what's interesting when you think about this movie specifically like we said it's fine like it's fine if you're if you're 12 or 13 it's fine like you know i'm sure there's something in it for you and if you have the nostalgia for it like there's also that but if you were looking for something i think we all kind of have this experience of not being able to see ourselves in the media that we we take in specifically as a kid um, it's a lot better than now than, you know, when I was a kid and I'm sure when you were a kid where you just kind of had to pick and choose who is closest enough to you to, to, to be your, you know, like avatar into these worlds. Um, but, you know, looking at 2002 until now, like, what is your perspective on just the amount of representation that Latinx people are, are getting in Hollywood and in these different spaces? Like, not even necessarily is there an improvement because I think all of that is kind of like baby steps, right? Like, you know, every, everybody who's not a white man is kind of just trying to wedge their way into a lot of these spaces. Um, but you know, when you look around at, you know, TV and film and, you know, a lot of different spaces, like how do you feel that Latinx representation is, is measuring up? Well, there's been progress. Um, and like I said, I was drawn to selecting this movie because of America Ferreira. And I think Real Women Have Curves is spectacular. It mm -hmm. is like, it's such an important inflection about so many things because it's not only Latinx representation, but it's also feminism. It's also forging your own path. There's mm -hmm. just, it, it's a movie that stands, that's still good today. You can watch it today yeah. and the issues still resonate with, with audiences. And I think that's a, that's a fantastic example, but there's, there was also a piece in the LA times not too long ago, but that the, the woman who um, directed it was a Latina. She didn't get a job afterwards. So yeah. it's like, we, we get, uh, from what I hear from folks that are in the industry, I'm not in the industry, but we, we have the opportunity to talk to a lot of folks in the industry is that these opportunities are few and far between, especially for, for Latinas behind the scenes, behind the lens. So um, I hope to see more of that come through. I mean, there's some great examples, though. I think there's Vida is a great series mm -hmm. on stars. That is a great example. There was, a, of course, Hentified, which was amazing, but, yeah. but didn't get to continue yeah. the same with one day at a time, a great right. show and also didn't get to continue. So I think, um, there's definitely room to improve, but it's, it's certainly a much better, um, environment than it was in 2002. And it is exciting that, that young girls today can, can have a little bit of variety of options to see themselves represented. So of course there's so much room to grow, but I'm excited to see that there's been some progress. Definitely. And it's, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, there was a study that came out a few years ago, you know, just about Latinx representation. And I think in, you know, leading roles in Hollywood, they made up about 3% you know, right. of those roles, right. which is crazy to think about, not even just, you know, from a population perspective, of, you know, like, we talk about it all the time, just in terms of like, 
Hollywood making these decisions that, oh, well, like, you know, people don't want to see Asian people on screen. And then you see things like Crazy Rich Asians and you th- see things like Fresh Off the Boat. Fresh There's off so the many boat, examples. And, yeah. You know, like you keep going down. And you're like, oh, I guess they, they do want that, you know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, black people don't necessarily like bring in dollars. And then you see stuff like Get Out and Black Panther. And it's like, oh, I guess. Yeah, they do. Like they do do that. Uh, and it's just weird that like that hasn't come around, you know, to Latinx where it's just kind of like. Yeah, I mean, there's th- that study that you referenced as probably the UCLA um, yeah. report. They do a report every single year. We have Latinos have such few roles and they, they also don't have very many speaking roles. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I also like to call out that the Latinos were nearly 20% of the population. But of that 20%, nearly 70% are people from Me- of Mexican origin. Yeah. So I also like to think about what kind of representation are we getting? Mm-hmm. Is, is it representative? Uh, right. we, 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 uh, we see a lot of Cuban families. We see a lot of, right now, Father of the Bride was a tremendous mm-hmm. hit on HBO. It was terrible, if you ask me, because <laughs> Andy Garcia's character has gotten zero compelling... Right. There's no compelling characteristics about him. Gloria Stefan kills it. She's really great. But like nobody else in that movie is, is any good. But th- this is a Cuban-American family. I mean, the, okay, fine. I guess I get that the groom is Mexican. But the whole concept of that movie was like, look at how rich we are. We we need more represent- representation that is about the true experience mm-hmm. of the Latinx experience in the U.S. And not everybody is, if you're Mexican, it doesn't mean that you are automatically part of the, you know, the mafia or like what uh, the cartel. Right. which we, we see that represented a lot so it's all about also what kind of representation are we getting for sure and, and that starts with you know having latinx behind you know the scenes in terms of writing these films and tv shows directing and running these films and tv shows casting these films and tv shows because like i think a lot of the times like we just get put into boxes where it's like well, you can you can play all of them, right? Like if you're Mexican, well, you can also be Puerto Rican and Dominican and all these other things where it's like, but there's people from these backgrounds that also could just play themselves. Like we don't have to go around because a lot of the times what happens is like they get fixated on one or two, right? And it's like, well, that's the, that's the one that we like or that's the one that we think will sell tickets. And so we're only going to like go so far and kind of bank on this one and not really give you know anybody else in the opportunities where you see time and time again like people come out and it's and it's not like this is the other thing they like to say it's like oh well we just couldn't find any we were looking and like where but where are they we just we went another direction you know but it's like not even you know latinx people are making films and tv and like specifically now when you have social media and you know youtube and like all these other streaming things like the content is there right but then on top of that, like the talent is there, right? Like there are some extremely talented people. Yeah. Who, and the audience is there because Latinos yeah. by o- overrepresent in terms of moviegoers. So right. it's all there. It's the excuses that we're, we're sick of hearing. Um, I want to say too that I think this movie that we're discussing today is kind of a classic example because we, you and I have just identified some really great bones, right? This movie right. has great bones, but the lack of financing probably right. shows you that the, the opportunity and so then you when you when you say okay let's do this project but then you don't give it the proper support then it falls on its face and you're like well see it was bad right <laughs> but it's so and these are all things that we hear from um folks that are in the industry that are trying to call out these these uh, opportunities and this racism exactly well let's ourselves think about how we could kind of remake kick it up 
if we're trying to remake it today in 2022, do you have any ideas of, of what you would like to see or what you'd like to change if you were to make Gotta Kick It Up a second time? Well, first of all, I don't think Miss Bartlett needs to be white. You know, it could be Miss Garcia. <laughs> so get her out. The whole cast can be Latino, if you ask me. I think the opportunities were in um, just kind of further developing her character and how she is to earn the trust of these students. Um, I'd like to see how these students also learn their craft. You know, mm -hmm. what were they able to learn from from their teacher and what, what struggles did they have to overcome to then get to compete? And I think, too, there's like you mentioned, there's an opportunity to also to also showcase how they're so out of place when they interact with other students that are the other, you know, the other element that's part of the story is that their school is underfunded. That's why mm -hmm. the principal is both the principal and the basketball coach. <laughs> and that's real. You know, that yeah. is absolutely true. We, we, we have, we, we say we're in the greatest country in the world where it's meritocracy, but we look at our public schools and they're not the same. They're no. not the same. So I think showcasing that would be another way to make this movie a better story. For sure. I agree. I would definitely change Miss Bartlett <laughs> into, uh, you know, a Latina character. And I think also if we if we instead of making it a TV movie, made it into like a, a Disney plus series, right, where we kind of gave time to let some of these elements breathe. I think there are a lot of things to kind of weed out because I think it is interesting to, to look at the immigrant experience, you know, like america is a crazy place and if you're coming from another country it's not even just the language that's different it's you know so many cultural things and like the way that you are seen by people and the way that you have to maneuver in a lot of spaces and it, it doesn't come naturally it's not something that you can just kind of like get instantly when you walk into spaces you kind of have to learn as you go um and so having those elements you know for me like my mom puerto rican taught me some Spanish, but I don't really speak Spanish. Right. And I think that's, you know, another element of being, you know, uh, a Latin American, but not speaking Spanish and then kind of feeling that, that bit of that disconnect. So having characters that are like, I can't really communicate with some of my classmates or, or in the way that like, you know, you see people over on the side, you know, kind of having these full on conversations and you feel left out because you can't, you know, communicate in that way, having elements where you're seeing more of them, you know, connecting with, with their heritage, because I think part of what sometimes we see, you know, stereotypes and stuff kind of put onto characters, and it's kind of like a, oh, you know, because that's how they all are, right? And, like, it's it's all viewed as negative, but, like, taking some of that and flipping it into a positive, right? Taking their heritage and, and their culture and flipping it into something that gives them strength um, and allows them to kind of you know, take that with them into other parts of their lives, not just dance, but into the classroom and into other things that they do, you know, whether it be, you know, at home or, you know, different parts of the community. And so, you know, like that's hard to do in an hour and a half. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. No, so I think there's, you, there's definitely some great bones there to make this into a series for yeah. sure. And, you know, better dancing, maybe. I don't know. Like, I, I guess. Yes, I, yes, yes. <laughs> and if, if anybody's seen the Netflix uh, series Cheer, you yeah. know that you know it, that gets your attention, and, and yeah. it's um, it's kind of a lot of the things we're talking about because, in a way, gosh, now that I think about it, Cheer, which is a great show on Netflix, mm -hmm. is very similar to this because they have this this phenomenal white lady coach, <laughs> and most of these um, these these athletes 
are from you know black black or white but poor they're from poor yeah. backgrounds and so you get a perspective of of the personal challenges that these athletes have to overcome and then the high demand that she places on them mm-hmm. and how that leads them to succeed so yes i think there's definitely some great bones here to make this into a series with more more depth yeah and if america ferrara maybe wanted to come back and like yeah, let's get it. Let's get the 2.0. <laughs> um, well, I want to play our, one of our favorite games with you um, where we go around and we look at what Gotta Kick It Up got on a lot of these different review sites. Um, we usually start with IMDb. So that's out of 10. What do you think mm-hmm. Gotta Kick It Up currently has on IMDb? Well, I had no idea that this was like a sort of a classic, like you mentioned. So maybe it's a little bit higher. Let's give it an eight. Is it out of 10, right? Out of 10. Do they have an eight? Yeah. What is it? It's 5.6. Okay. Um, so five, right. 5.6 out of like almost 2,000 reviews. And that's like pretty good. Not bad. Probably you know, pretty like, good for a Disney for a Disney movie. <laughs> yes. yes. You know, like, and they're, they were kind of just churning these things out at the time. So like, this is one of... Hundreds I'd probably of... <laughs> agree with that rating. Yeah, I think that's fair. Now, if we go over to Rotten Tomatoes, um, we kind of we can't really do it because it didn't have enough reviews to get a oh, score. Wow. <laughs> um, but what I will say is that when it came out, you know, a lot of the reviews about it were basically comparing it to uh, Bring It On, which is kind of right. This is the low budget Bring It On. This is yeah. the low budget Bring It On. <laughs> it's kind of sort of, but not really, because like Bring It On is like a different story more about like yeah. cultural appropriation and this story is i mean they both have dance in it and i think that's you know where you can see the similarities also we didn't get to talk about this but they multiple times play what can only be described as like the kids bop version of bombs over baghdad by yep, yeah we did mention it in the beginning we did mention it in the beginning yes which is hilarious yeah the, the low budget you don't have the licensing you got to play this, this yeah, version have, have somebody bombs over baghdad make it up in in the studio before we get on uh, yeah. <laughs> uh so funny and then last but not least our favorite which is amazon.com what do you think out of five stars uh, gotta kick it up has on amazon i'm gonna go with three 4.6 out of five wow uh, very generous amazon 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 viewers <laughs> typically uh love everything <laughs> there's not really a lot very of, generous very generous not a lot of nuance but i think in the amazon reviews what you really get is that nostalgia right like people loved it when they were a kid they love it now you know it speaks to something uh, that they were they were looking for, you know, whether it's kind of a girl power element or just a nostalgia for, you know, sleepovers with friends or, you know, something like that. Like, that's what this is speaking to. Um, let's get you out of here with our caucasity ranking scale, where we have three levels of caucasity that we rank these movies okay. on. So the first level of caucasity is shorts in the winter. And that's basically like, <laughs> look it's it's five degrees outside i don't know why you're making this choice to wear shorts whether it's a statement whether you're trying to impress somebody what's going on but like it's not hurting me right i'm just you're making a curious decision and i'm kind of wondering what's going on okay the second level called cassidy is this movie is touching my hair um and from, <laughs> from a from a latinx perspective that might be more like you speak english well 
or (laughs) where are you really from? Right. Right, And it's like, okay, now, now you're entering my personal space. Like this movie Mm -hmm. isn't the ultimate level of violence, but like there's some harm being done. Something is going wrong here. Like we've crossed a line and we can't really go back. The third level of caucasity this week is <laughs> uh, very specific because it's, it's happening recently. It's happening on TikTok now. Apparently, there was a TikToker, a white TikToker, who was showing people how to make something they called spa water. Oh, my gosh. And, <laughs> and it's horchata, right? It's just oh, and, well, <laughs> It was Aguas Fresca. Latinx people immediately picked up on it and said, that's just aguas for like you're you're trying to pass this off as something else um <laughs> and that's the level of caucasity where it's like this is intentional right you know what you're doing this is harm that you meant to do there's no accident there's no oops i didn't know there's no way that you came upon this recipe without having seen it somewhere and where you probably saw it <laughs> was, you know, or at some, you know, either restaurant or some friend's house or someplace like that. And you said, oh, well, if I just call it spa water, then it, it'll it be mine, you know, and I can Hilarious. kind of pass it off as my own idea. Um, <laughs> so where do you think Got to Kick It Up lands on that scale? Gotta kick it up is definitely uh, shorts in the winter. Like there's not, there, I don't think there's harm here. I think, I think there's just the, the, the harm is the harm of a low budget. You know, that is the harm <laughs> that's happening here. And I do think in many ways, you know, Daisy also saves Miss Bartlett. So sure. yeah, I would, I would agree. I think that, you know, there, there was, luckily this is one of the few films that we've reviewed and talked about where like, the people depicted are actually the people behind the scenes. And, you know, oftentimes these are movies by white people made about people of color and are just kind of like really brazen and picking and choosing kind of how they want us to look and act and talk. I mean, again, the the worst we can say is that like just some of the dialogue at one point, Chewie asked Daisy if she wants to go watch some tube, which was like, (laughs) Yes, the dialogue is terrible. Yes, there's a part where America Ferreira, you know, they're raising the money to make it to the competition. And she's like, close, but no cigar. I'm sorry, but no, no 14-year-old was saying that. So, you know, there's stuff like that where it's just kind of like, all right, you know, sure. And like, again, it's loosely based on Megan Cole's real life story. So she's working at Disney. I guess you can't necessarily make her not a white woman you know but like there wasn't anything here that was like overtly racist or you know sketchy or you know uh messy i think you know the girls themselves while their characters were kind of thin well represented you know everybody here i think did a good job in their roles you know like you feel you feel for the girls you want them to win (laughs) you don't want them to lose um but there's there could have just been a lot more done. But in terms of like the harm that this movie does, you know, I think is minimal at best. So uh, thankfully, we can we can put it in the bottom tier, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and you know move on to to greener pastures. Um, I think the last thing that we can do, if you have anything that you'd like to recommend for people to watch, maybe not necessarily instead, because we can say again, if you want to watch, got to kick it up. 
just go for it. You know what I mean? I don't think it's hurting <laughs> you in any way. Like if you have nostalgia for it, if you remember it and you, you just want to get together with some friends and, you know, reminisce on old times, like more than welcome to. But um, is there anything else that you would recommend people to watch? It doesn't necessarily have to be a dance movie, um, but anything that you think has either strong Latinx representation or you're just enjoying yeah, well, I mean, I mentioned it already, but I think with in the spirit of what we watched, I think y'all should watch Real Women Have Curves with America Ferrera. I think that would be a great way to revisit a movie. And it's always an entertaining time. You might as well watch Selena because that is the mm-hmm. most spectacular, entertaining biopic. And it's also super cheesy when you yeah. watch it again. So those are some movies that are going to entertain you a little bit more than this one. For sure. I would I would second both of those. Also want to shout out uh, Harvey Guillen if people are watching what we do in the shadows. He's Guillermo on that show and he's hilarious. He's one of my favorites uh, and the season just came back. So I'm I'm excited about that. I hope that just, just make Guillermo a vampire guys like. Yeah, make him a vampire. <laughs> yeah, That's what we all really si se puede. want. <laughs> uh, well, Brenda, this has been great. Thank you so much for, for coming on and joining me and talking about this movie. Let everybody know uh, where they can find you online, um, what they should know about uh, Tamarindo. I know you guys just went on your your break, uh, so you're you're taking a little break from the show. Um, but where they can find the podcast if they want to catch up and get into that. Um, yeah. Anything else you have to promote? Yeah, I think the best place for folks to keep up with everything that we, we've got going on, we'll be right back with new episodes in next month, so our breaks are short. <laughs> but if you just go to tamarindopodcast.com, you'll connect to all of what we're about. That's definitely the best place to reach me and check out our, our over 130 episodes. All right, for sure. Um, well, I'm Jordan Clark. If you want to find me online, you can find me at jrsosa18, jrsosa18 on Twitter and Instagram. More comic stuff coming soon. Samurai Sonia is in stores now. Um, if you want to find my co-host Cameron, who unfortunately again couldn't make it, you can find him on Twitter and Instagram at theblipster1138. Uh, you can find his comedy sketch group to Karen with Love on YouTube and all other platforms. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at white underscore pod. Um, and you can also reach out to us at white people won't save you pod at gmail.com. Send us your movie recommendations, send us your thoughts. Uh, if you love God to kick it up, we'd love to hear from you about just your, your memories of the movie, but that's going to do it for us this week. And we'll be back next week with more cockacity. Peace. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved.